You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Rudy Lindsay, Mike Pritz, and Kat Kalin. Reboot. <laughs> That's my extent of IT knowledge. <laughs> That's how they do it, right? Control, alt, delete. That's it. Just reboot. <laughs> reboot it. Hey, what's up, man? Brick and Marines, man. <laughs> hey, man. No, I was a reconnaissance communicator, bro, so I knew how to work technology. I was like, what's oh, going on? Oh, right? Camo guy. Camo guy yeah. can't make Camo. Holy hey. cow. Hey, this is Shark Pool. <laughs> I hope Robert warned you. Uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've listened to the podcast. I can't wait for it. I've listened to multiple of them. I can't wait for it. It's just going to keep coming. <laughs> Speaking of that, we had a we had a combo guy in our unit, and no kidding, nobody could talk until he came around and like touched everybody's radio, and then all yeah. of a sudden it seemed to work magic. Hey man, problem we had was, that special touch. Yeah, problem was he liked to do things off duty and stay in jail a lot too, so we had to work around his jail time so we could go to the field. Oh, man. So, George, you don't know Don or Mike. Uh, if you had a chance to go no, to the website, no. you probably, well, I guess you haven't. So, Mike is a former CSM with 10th Group, separated damn near 30 two years, years ago. But 30 years total or close to it, wasn't it? Yeah, just under just under 30. And then Don Fox w- went the enlisted route all the way to E7, was with 82nd, was an RI with RTB at Fort Benning. And he worked with me when he was a corporal and I was uh, E7, served first class. At Benning, and then went off, became an E7, went to OCS, went all the way to Major, commanded infantry, commanded the, went back to RTB as an XO, wasn't it? Right, oh, right. What else did you do? I had three commands, three company commands, and then I did some S3 time and then some uh, XO time, and then uh, worked at the Pentagon and did a couple of deployments out of there with them to Afghanistan. So those were the last couple ones. Yeah. Okay. I'm in a room full of nothing but uh, hard charges that were in for 20 plus years, it sounds like. Yeah. So how long did you stay in, George? I was only in for eight and a half, actually. So okay. I was in the operating side of things for about five years and then decided to get engaged right before my last deployment. And, uh, you know, Jody, Jody got in the way and ended up taking her away from me. So <laughs> by that time, it was too late to get out of the to get out, pretty much get out of the Marine Corps. So I ended up becoming an instructor at the schoolhouse. And you know what, dude, like that was probably the best the best thing that could happen to me uh, mentally and physically and set me up to like where I'm at right now. Honestly, that's, that was probably, I can probably thank her now for it. Hey, thank you for, uh, for doing that. You know, <laughs> should thank him, not her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank him. So, but yeah, no, that's, that's how I ended up getting out. Once I got out, you know, I put, I put paperwork in to go to do some other things, but you know, I have two daughters, which are my world. And, uh, you know, my, my, my youngest one was getting ready to be born about uh, about four or five months before me getting out and put paperwork in to go to some higher places and got accepted. But at that time period, like I said, I was dating again, my daughter's mother, and she was like, hey, I need you to be around for the family. Luckily, I had already been working in, like, the athletic field and kind of working with combat athletes and weightlifters and crossfitters, just a fitness injury in, in general. And I was able to pretty much just come out and get out of the Marine Corps and go straight into that and was blessed to do that. Do that. How'd you get linked up with Softly? Dude, that's... So I got out in 2014, the back end of it, and I was actually going back and forth from either going back to Texas and working the civilian side of things for SEER school for the Air Force, or I stay out here and make a very, very shitty wage of money for a month, go to school, and just run across the gym. And, you know, at that time period, I was like, well, what's going to be easier? You know, I want to chase my goals and, you know, chase my passion and my dreams. And I was like, you know what? I'm only 26 at the time. I was like, I have four more years until I need some kind of security. And, you know, pretty much let's go ahead and chase that. So I ended up not moving 
And my good friend, my buddy, he's actually still with uh, MSOB right now, who actually is one of the his main guys for Softly. And he hit me up and he was like, hey, dude, uh, you know, what's the plan? Are you going to plan on staying out in California, going back to Texas? He's like, if you are planning on staying out in California, let's go ahead and uh, have you become the Softly like head coach of SoCal or west of the West Coast. Um, I'm going to bring you on as head programmer, help with that, along with pretty much the weightlifting side of things and, you know, oversee those kind of things. So I've, I've been with them since the start. I mean, before we even put programming on Train Heroic, I mean, I remember for uh, when we first started, it was just a Facebook page and Instagram page. Wow. And it was pretty much just post the workouts online for free using some cool tactical combat photos. And yeah. people started following it. <laughs> and uh, from there, we ended up going into using Train Heroic. And once we got to Train Heroic, we uh, we put out two teams plus a women's team. So we have three programs now, one for stamina, one for strength, and a women's team. And we actually just dropped our app last week. So we have our own soft lead app now where pretty much everyone's off Train Heroic and everyone's on the app now. It's actually pretty awesome to see that, which it's only been almost two years and a few months to, to see how far we've grown in that. So I'm pretty excited about about that actually mike's already got his phone he's already looking for i'm the downloading app. the app right now that's right <laughs> yeah go for it hey make sure you, we actually just dropped also too we also just dropped a shooting package too so a shooting program for for anybody so like like four days of dry firing and then one day of live firing if you can get to the range along with like strength program and stuff in there too and cohesion drills so pretty much one of the guys that wrote it comes from a higher level also a tier level a tier one asset of what he does and he pretty much wrote that whole program for people to, to do so you're doing cohesion drills you're doing a whole bunch of cool stuff and it goes from crawl walk and run to get you guys ready for it i'm kind of excited about it. i haven't got to do it yet unfortunately I'm in california so we know how that goes with all the gun laws and everything else i'm trying to get onto ranges so mike you're um, wearing your uh, shirt I, i'm not my shirt is at the bottom of my dirty laundry over there because i wore it to work out in on monday but i do have a soft lead t-shirt nice. um, thanks for representing. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this picture here and I, I can't i can't hardly see it because i'm part blind and it appears like the picture on the apps a guy doing goblet squats with a kettlebell which is an awesome way to teach squats by the way so yep yeah that's a that's a huge progression where we actually utilize the goblets for an assessment also to see how someone squats if they can't squat without the kettlebell i throw the kettlebell in their hand and have them squat usually that's the counterbalance to help them uh get into position for me so it lets me know like all right cool we need to fix either the hips knees or ankles so. Yeah, with, with our athletes, we if you can't goblet squat, you don't put weight on the back until you can until you can correctly have your form in a goblet squat. So and you can you that can load good. quite a bit, load quite a bit with a pretty good sized kettlebell before you ever put anything on your back. Oh yeah, definitely. That's that's huge, man. That's awesome to hear. It's not a lot of places you go where you hear uh, coaches talk about that or or have that experience of knowing, hey, let's not put a barbell on your back until you can squat with the kettlebell properly, or just even squat unloaded properly, and then we'll load you up. Was that that's something awesome. you started, Mike, or was that already in place when you got there? No, I, I mean, there's a bunch of different coaches we reach out to. I do a lot of kettlebell work anyway. So long story short, this program has had a big change over the last year. Uh, and the new head coach that's come on has uh, really put a, a lot of emphasis in the weight room. And some of the uh, some of the stuff that was going on in the past wasn't probably taught by, you know, real, real athletic coaches. And we've got some of the some of the guys in that are actual certified athletic coaches that have a background in kinesiology to teach the kids how to properly do the exercises. And, and, you know, we talk a lot about doing CrossFit and stuff too. I love CrossFit. And one of my big beasts with CrossFit is they, they do a lot of um, kind of, I would say ballistic movements where you don't reset every time you're trying to do it for speed and do uh, maximum repetitions instead of stopping each time and doing the form correctly. So we really spend a lot of time with the kids in the weight room, getting to do their lifts correctly before we actually add a lot of load and weight. 
Yeah, no, that's that's huge, Mike, for sure. Um, that's something that you know I really focus on here at my gym. Obviously, I do own Cross the Double Barrel here in San Marcos, California, along with running GB3 Athletics. But you know, one thing I harp to my coaches that are on the floor all the time: Hey, guys, you know the way we run our athletes do. We run our athletes through a full movement assessment and a fitness assessment before we even put them into personal training sessions to let them allow on the floor for CrossFit. You know, that baseline of hierarchy, you know, is going to be movement first, and and that's one thing you're starting to see throughout a lot of strength conditioning coaches is they're going back to that compared to where it used to be, let's just get strong and get you on the field. And when they used to do that, what ended up happening to a bunch of athletes, we ended up losing, we lose, losing athletes, that longevity for that athlete was, you know, cut down by five years instead of adding on five years. George, and I'm, I'm working, I don't know if Robert told you, and I'm working with high school athletes. So I, I think. Okay, so it's high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 High and, school and, football and what yeah, with a football program. So what I, what I see is, and it's it was amazing to me when I first started, a lot of these kids, they're just not athletic. You know, it's not, oh. I mean, they're athletes, but they're not athletic. And, well, they and they're not like, body awareness. they're not like when, when I was a kid, when I played outside all the time, these kids play on computers right. and they play on video games, they play on their phones. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to get them to assume an athletic position, just to get them to put their weight over the balls of their, of the pads of their feet, instead of way back on their, on their hips or on their, on their heels. And to be able to hold that, in a semi-squat, right? And then rotate your shoulders back and put your hands kind of out to the side and, and point your thumbs to the back. They can't hold that position for 10 seconds. You know, their arms are dropping, they're fatigued. And and so if you can't do that, you can't do any type of agility drill, you can't move. If you can't move, you can't change position on the field. If you can't change position on the field, you're gonna get hit and you're gonna get beat. So that's what we oh, spend yeah. a lot of time with the kids doing in the weight room. Yeah, that's that's huge. And like I said, I, with with the gym here, like I uh, I run you know a sports performance program for high school students, and you know awesome. pretty much where it comes to me, I run that, and I try and keep it very minimal. I don't want to have twenty athletes in here. I actually have it. Uh, the most I usually kind of well, I want to carry is five, and then that that's the best for me because I can keep my eye on them. And that's one thing I've noticed whenever I pick these kids up and they come over and start training with me, their parents bring me over to me. They don't know how to move, dude. Their their movement pattern and you know just movement in general, they're just it's it's horrible. So you have to restart how to move from the ground up again. And, you know, that's a huge thing nowadays. Again, like I said, we talk about longevity for an athlete. Like, if the kid can't move unloaded, what's going to make him think he's going to be able to, you know, move efficiently and provide some kind of power and force when he's on the football field or just in the field in general yep. of this sport? For multi-sports, not just uh, the contact sport, but, like, I, I know that the baseball, you know, picking up that CrossFit, it makes a, com- a tremendous add strength, but, again, it gives them that agility, and they're not – tightening up certain muscles they're still flexible to throw a baseball to still make plays and it you know a lot of a lot of guys have gone to that and becoming uh i guess smarter in the weight room and doing things versus just go get on that bench and see what you can do yeah, yeah. you know and i think for uh, looking at my background and i always call myself a tactical athlete you know but i i think if you go if you go way back we really didn't know what we were doing either uh, and now we've got this program in place in all the groups. So USOCOM has the, the Thor 3 program in place. I think it's different for the branches, but in the Army, yeah. uh, within USOSOC, it's called Thor 3. And we've got you know professional strength coaches and nutritionists that come down. And, and we run our, our athletic program just like a professional sports program anymore. Yeah. Uh, but before we had that, at least being here in Colorado Springs, 10th Special Forces Group, we got a contract with the National Strength and Conditioning Association in town, which certifies all the dang strength coaches in the country. And um, I learned so much just from going going down there. And you talked about your small small groups that you train. I mean, I trained one on one with a, a professional strength coach. That's all this guy did all day long. And and he would only see me three days a week, and he would only see me for an hour at a time. And the primary focus on our workouts wasn't 
how much I could lift or how high I could get my heart rate. It's how well I could do a lift. And so that's what we try to focus on. And I, I think that, you know, for anyone who's starting to work out, whether you're high school athlete, college athlete, a tactical athlete, you know, police, firefighter, military, focus on form first before you yep. ever start loading heavy weights. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, uh, it's funny, man. Ever since we've kind of been talking, I've been talking with Robert, and he's kind of pushed me out. Then C-State 21, Christian over there, pushed me out some more. Um, I've been getting a whole bunch of influx of, like, the, uh, DMs. People have been sending me DMs on the low. Are you on social like, media? Yeah, I'm on social media under GB3 Athletics on Instagram. So been getting a whole bunch of DMs, and, and it's funny. It's like everyone keeps asking, you know, questions. And the main questions are, hey, how do I improve my swim time? How do I improve my rope time? How do I improve pull-ups? How do I improve push-ups? You know? And it's funny because you go back to that and it's like, well, what are you doing to improve them? It's pretty much do more of that, right? Go find someone around you that you can teach you how to move properly. You know, a lot of these kids are, you know, and back in the, I remember when I was going through uh, selection to go through BRC, you know, how I was training to become a recon Marine, it was pretty much run, do pull-ups, push-ups, and swim. You know, nowadays we look at this and we have all these strength conditioning coaches who are coming into the, into the, into the soft communities and able to teach these guys what it is you know i just actually wrote an email out today there's a guy getting ready to i guess he's getting ready to deploy for nine months and he wants to go take selection for something else and he was asking he's like hey since i'm on selection what should my my plan be for the next nine months i'm like well you know let's do this let's build a strong strength base with proper movement and then we can after you've gotten all that down let's go ahead and add endurance afterwards right because at the end of the day if you can't move properly and you can't move with load on your back you're not going to be able to sustain long movements or do what we need to do for the job simple that we're doing, right? Without an injury. And without an injury, correct. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the goal, right? At the end of the day, we're trying to keep our guys healthy as possible. And, uh, you know, I was like, and then after that, you want to go ahead and be able to get that endurance up so you can shoot, move, and communicate, still get that buddy off the X if he's been shot or whatever else. And it, it just blows my mind because endurance is that one number one key for the athlete. But also, I feel like it's the strength endurance and speed strength endurance. Uh, along with the absolute strength endurance, you know, that we have to work on. A lot of guys are trying to deadlift, you know, five, 600 pounds for one. You know, is that really, is that really, you know, necessary for our job as a tactical athlete? I mean. No, but it sounds I, cool, right? It does sound and cool, and right? I, I used to subscribe to that too. I used to want to be with the guy that bench pressed over 400 pounds and, and could get myself a little bit bigger. I wanted to squat a lot, but um, I, I was always big on the bench press. It seemed like every day was bench press day in the gym. And, um, <laughs> I mean, there's still guys like that, but yeah. you're right. That doesn't apply to being a tactical athlete. It doesn't apply to what we do in combat. It doesn't apply to picking a guy up off the ground. I mean, you're doing a clean with a human being, right? Putting him on yeah. your shoulder, carrying him up a hill to put put on a, a on a medevac helicopter or something or getting him out of a building. The the things that we're doing today are much more dynamic than than just static, you know, strength exercises can provide. I remember Don having a conversation with me many times over the phone about being at infantry school, being a, a commander there and watching the guys coming in. And Don, you were talking about how these guys are just not physically fit and ready to come into infantry no, school. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so you're getting a guy, you know, the unfortunate side of this is instead of building guys up, you get the mass of them just to get 50% on an APFT move forward to to there. And and then you're risking, then you've got to get them into that mindset because you've got a certain amount of time. So where's the work overload? Where does the injuries come? How do you balance that into still building the guy up to just to get to that? It, it, it's, you know, I, I've never seen, it was, it was a challenge for, for that. I mean, we, I'm and, picturing and again, cartoons you know in my head right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> and again, they, you know, the army, they, the army eventually caught up, like you're saying. They, they brought in the nutritionists. They brought in all these different people. They finally, you know, spent some money and realized, okay, hey, we, we, we can't afford it. This time, this was during the surge of bringing people in, and, and we couldn't afford to, you know, hold people back or all of a sudden have them medically chaptered because, you know, you know, Shinsplint seemed to be the big thing. But it was how do you build them up to, to do that? And again, you started incorporating some type of physical training into the training event itself. So you're training, if this is what, you know, like you just talked about bringing a guy, carrying him up a hill and doing some type of medevac. Well, that became, you know, we started incorporating that into a PT to that. And then along the way, you're going to get the guy. It's a second order effect. Now he can start passing his, you know, physical test also. It was a challenge with that. You mentioned something, Don, it was mindset, right? And uh, it's something, something that a lot of us, a lot of us have, or we, we, we've built up, but I want to pitch this back to George. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but when Robert and I talked about this, the reason I was so excited about this podcast is because you're working on something to do with what it is to have an elite mindset. And, yeah. and I, I, I'm working the same thing with my athletes. Hey, what is it to be an elite athlete and part of an elite program? And I just kind of like to get your thoughts on that. We can shoot back and forth about what it is or what we both think it is to be to be elite. Yeah. So, you know, I remember coming up, you know, the first thing everyone wanted to be, especially for us going to the soft community, right? Everyone's like, oh, I want to be this high speed, uh, high speed guy, low drag guy that, you know, whatever else. And I remember higher, one of my higher ups used to tell me all the time, he's like, hey, to be a leader high speed, you must be able to do the basics at high speed. And, and it, that, so when I look at that, all right, so it brings you back to being an elite mindset. How can I keep the basics in my mindset able to move forward to just keep going, right? So let's talk about like, all right, Am I able to have confidence in myself, hold my head up high, right? Do I believe in myself, right? Do I know how to control what I can control only, right? Don't let other stuff or worry about what other people are doing stress you out because you can't control that. If, and I feel like some of those, four of those things right there, if I can, if I can get an athlete to understand that right there at first, um, we can start moving forward and to start working that unbeatable mindset and that elite mindset. I mean, we can go deep into this, right? I mean, and that's something that I try and keep as simple as possible. So, and no, I, I, I just, I, I had to laugh. I mean, you said that, and I held up my notes to, to Robert, and my first note under what it means to be elite is master the basics. I, and I think that's what we did in SOF, uh, or at least when I was younger and a team sergeant and running my own, my own organizations, it, it was, you know, everybody wants to have these really complex SOPs, and everybody wants to shoot fast, and, and yet they can't shoot accurately. So the only thing that you can do is, I mean, we've got manuals that tell us how to patrol through the woods. Why make it crazy and stupid? Why not just yep. do that really, really well? Why not Why not understand the nine dismount of battle drills better than anybody else in the world? Um, and yeah. I, I try to apply that to athletes as well. And I coach offensive linemen. So, you know, what, what's, what's an offensive lineman have to do? Well, he's only really got to do two things. He's got to run block or pass block. And in run blocking, you know, if, if he knows where he's going and what he's got to hit, all he has to do is execute position consistently. So when I'm coaching these guys and I'm running through these different drills, you know, it, it doesn't have to get complicated and difficult. We run plays that try to keep the offensive lineman doing the same thing over and over. So if you just, every time that ball is snapped until the whistle is blown, you execute consistently. You master the basics, just exactly what you said, George. I mean, I think... I think at least on the first point, we're right online. When football, yeah, it's usually exactly. three to five seconds. That's all you need to do. You got to hold it for three to five seconds, and then that's all you have to do. Yeah. Then the next play comes up. That's right. That's right. And then and then I kind of go into the same. So so maybe do make a mistake. 
then you, you relate back to the old sniper training. That shot's out of the barrel, and you can't get it back. Nope. You know, yeah, you can't get three it back. to five yeah. seconds, and then you're done, right? That one's over, and then you reset and you do it again. Whether you if, yeah. if you made a mistake the first time, you got to forget you just, about it. You got to execute, and, and and so when we practice, we walk through these drills. You know, success equals repetitiveness. I mean, if you yeah. do those, and, and, and I think it also over. comes with with that. Mike is also not being afraid to make that mistake. You no, know, yeah, right. it's going to happen. It's right. going to happen. Accept it that it does happen, and don't repeat it. Yeah, that's no, right. that's that's huge. You know, I, that's. You know, that's something that I'm really big believe on. You know, if I can if I can try and master the basics at the start and it's gonna be key for that athlete's success down the road. And I like that. I like that quote you just used. Success is determined by repetition. All right, is that how you said it, right? I said that right or wrong. Success equals repetitiveness, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I love that. Dude. That's huge. You know, I just came from uh this weekend I just had a, a junior nationals competition for weightlifting. I have two young kids in my gym that uh that have been with me since the start of their weightlifting career, I'm twenty years old. And uh, and they both went out and went six for six at their national meet. I mean, to go six for six at a national meet in the snatch and clean and jerk. Um, and if you, I, I know you guys know what that is, but the snatch and clean and jerk for listeners that are listening, I've never heard you know what the snatch and clean and jerk is. If they never know what it is, you know, snatches you know from the ground you put over your head in one movement. That's a very technical movement. It takes a lot of mental focus, and there's been a lot of repetitions put on it. And they only have three lifts to hit their heaviest lift, right? And again, their heaviest lift might not be the winning lift in the competition, but it's going to be the winning lift for their mind and for their, you know, their confidence to know that they did their best because they can't control what everyone else does. They can just control what they can. And I have these two kids that are 20 years old, man, that came out and rock and rolled six or six. And, uh, you know, it's, it's awesome to see that, you know, like you said, why do we, why are we successful for because of the, rep- the repetitiveness that we did in training to get there. I'd like to add one more to it too. You know, and I think there's a there's an impression out there, at least when I talk to some of my students, of what it is to be, you know, a soft operator, a Green Beret, Navy SEAL, a Ranger, a Marsoc operator. You know, they think that somehow we're genetically different than yeah. everybody else. That you're superhuman, and and that's not the case. You know, we are regular guys who are willing to do what it takes to outwork the competition. And, and I, I, I'm not, I'm inside of me is a little fat boy who is screaming to get out and eat chocolate cake. Um, oh yeah. And, and I, I just, I just got to say that, that, you know, for a period of time, you can, you can suppress that and, and have, you set goals, you have discipline and, and you, you do what it takes to achieve your goals. So by out, and, and I, I try to use this as athletes as well, by outworking the competition, you can beat the competition. You're not genetically yep. superior. We play teams at offensive linemen in high school level in Denver that are over 300 pounds. Our offensive linemen average 195 to 210 pounds. And, and so you, you can't go heads up with those guys. But you can scheme block. You can work harder. You can learn to be better. And you can use your brain to overcome that. So I, I think that a lot of that, I mean, and it, it comes from my soft background, is it's not innate. It doesn't come born in you. You have to work at it. And you've got to have discipline. You've got to be willing to outwork the competition. Yeah, it's spot off what you're saying because I believe that, you know, a process of doing something quickly sets that mindset that you can do anything at any given time. It just it doesn't just happen. It's it's a process that you do along the way. So when you're in that position to to do it, it's not for the first time. No, no, that's that's one thing I also push a lot. You know, long term approach, a long term approach, and a long term success. You know, our long-term approach is going to equal long-term success. You know, if you understand that and, and understand that you can build your mind 
to handle that kind of long-term success or that long-term approach to equal success, you're going to be golden. I mean, nowadays you have a lot of high school kids, a lot of just, and I like to use the weightlifting world and I like to use CrossFit. I like to use just the, the fitness world in general. Everyone wants results fast because they, because of social media. Right. Right. It, it's huge, but you have to sit them down and be like, all right, Hey, look, what is your why? And this is where I kind of like, and again, an unbeatable mindset and elite mindset. You have to have a deeper why than because I want to have a six pack because I want to do this. There is always some kind of deeper why, like growing inside someone that has gotten them to where they want to be and why they want to do it. And it's again, it's just it's an approach and how you do it and, and understanding that you have to have some kind of goals and stepping stones along the way to achieve it. You know, to kind of keep your mind going at all times. Okay, I remember I used to, you know, whenever we used to do our like our ruck runs for times, you know, for our students. And I used to always tell my, all my students, like, look, I don't care if you're the fastest or the slowest. I do not want to see you quit, and I don't want to see you stop. Just keep moving. Because if I can, that shows me heart and dedication. That shows me that you're not letting your mind beat you. Hey, how am I supposed to keep moving? How am I supposed to train my mind to that? Well, hey, start thinking of small goals inside that to achieve that bigger goal, right? So, for instance, we're running up Camp Pendleton, we're running up the ankle breaker, and now we're running around that uh, recon ridge that's leading us to the – to the microwave to run down it into a camp porno. There's like telephone poles along the way. And I'm like, hey, use a ch- telephone pole as that small. Go, all right, cool. I just going to get to this telephone pole. And you get to this telephone pole. And you get to this telephone pole. By the time you know it, you're done running your ruck run. And you probably beat the time that you never thought you were going to get. So going back to understanding, like set small, small goals and small accomplishments to lead to the bigger one is going to go ahead and give you that unbeatable mindset, I feel like. You know, that's another point to where we're talking about. You mentioned something else in there, George, about not quitting and not giving up. I don't want to steer this too too much to, toward a different level, but I, I think you know we, we tell ourselves that when we're in these tough courses, right? I've never quit anything. I'm not going to quit today. It's going to suck. We kind of accept how bad things suck. But a lot of times what I see with kids is that they hit a point of adversity and they're not very yep. resilient. And yep. they don't have that ability, maybe because we haven't taught them. I don't know. It's not their fault uh, or, or they haven't they haven't overcome something that's very, very difficult like we have in the past. Uh, I, I think some of the things that I've overcome in the past make some of the things I'm doing today seem pale. I mean, just not. Yeah. It, it's not important. This is not hard at all. So when you think of, of quitting or you think of something, you look at something, you've got a frame of reference, I guess, that you can go back to and say, well, I've done all this in the past. This this isn't that bad. Well, when a kid gets beat on a play and it sucks a lot of times these kids internalize and they lock up. They can't let it go. They can't flush that last play. So I I think you're right. I mean, it's important, no matter what the sport, that the athlete has to understand, man, I'm never going to quit. Whatever it is, I'm just going to let that, I'm going to let it slide, you know, off my back shoulder, that shot's out of the barrel, and and the next play is going to be different. I'm going to keep going forward. Yeah, And that's that's where it comes into play where I use the, I I learned this, the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. Right. You guys, you know, that's, that's something that I feel that we need to teach those kids from the start. Um, there's a book that I read called The Mindset a while back, a few years back, and I got to read it, and it made a lot of sense. It talks between the mindset of the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And the growth mindset is pretty much like you're talking about, right? That kid gets beat on a play. What is he supposed to do now? He's, all right, hey, shake it off. Let's get back in. I'm going to come back even better and harder, right? I'm going to make that block this time. Well, the fixed mindset is the kid that gets beat on that play, and then he dwells on it for the rest of the game. What happens to his team? You lose well, that's his all team. I can do. I, I fail. I, that's all I can do. I, I can't get beyond it. And, it, the, and you know what? That kind of stuff starts. I mean, like I said, it, and I know you see it more, Mike, because you're you're in that right there. But there's so many times it's 
you know, not to get off the topic of that, but it's just parent driven sure. that, yes. it, it, you know, they see their, their child completely different than what he really is and, or what she is. It's, it's accepting that there's limitations. You know, again, the key is not to quit. The key is persevere. The key is to, what are you going to get better? How are you getting better? Other than if you're not at a certain point, that's okay. You can get there. Yeah, one of the hardest thing it is, things it is to get kids to accept is embracing failure. Uh, and yeah. and it, hell, as an SF guy, man, it's hard for me to embrace failure, right? But I, I right, think right. that that only through pushing yourself so far to where you, you are at that point of failure. I mean, we train at the point of failure in the military, right? We push it to where risk is mitigated only to certain points, but we're training at the point of failure so that we're, we're, we're at that level that when, when things go really bad in combat, we've, we've experienced some of that before. We have to push our athletes to do the same thing. They have yeah. to train at the point of failure. And when they fail, we pick them back up. We slow down a little bit, just like you do when you shoot too fast. You slow down a little bit, bring your group back in, and then and then you, you start pushing again. And that's uh, all through that is, is the greatest plan of the greatest day. You know, again, like the, you know, they teach in the military is the enemy always gets a vote also. That's right. Same with the opponent gets a vote, too. You could put that's the right. biggest game plan for a Friday night. But guess what? The opponent's doing the same thing. That's right. They're they out there trying to win, too. Well, that's the thing, right. too, right? It comes down to, like, these athletes have plans all the time, right? They have a plan that's going to be happening. And they think these plans are going to follow through. Well, guess what, buddy? Life does not always agree to your plan. And it's going to go to shit. So guess what you have to do? You have to adapt and be okay with the adversity that's going to be coming towards you and embrace it. Because if you don't embrace it, you're going, to be, you're, going to, you're going to be knocked down and you're not going to be able to get back up. And that's one thing, you know, I really believe is embrace it. Embrace your failure and learn from it and just keep moving forward. Right. It's only going to make Right. The key is not quit. It, it doesn't happen the first time or the second time. It's getting through it. It's adjusting whatever you've got to fix and driving on. That starts the mindset to be an elite is that you can accept, you not accept failure, but you understand that there's a possible that it might be a setback. And what you do from that is what makes, is the different mindset. How do you react from that setback? Yeah. And like, for an example, right, I had an athlete who came to me back in November, January, or November, December timeframe. He's a master's athlete. He's an LEO guy. He, uh, he's, his goal was to make the CrossFit Games or push for the CrossFit Games. Training was going really well. I mean, going really well. And he ended up going on a hike with, you know, with his family, whatever else. And, you know, we're all human. We like to, like, joke around and use our fitness outside doors. And I, I, I believe in that. We decided to try and do a muscle-up on a rock and ended up falling and hurting his wrist. Hmm. Well, guess what? his season's over with now. He's no longer competing in the CrossFit Open to go ahead and try and push for regionals and CrossFit Games as a master's athlete. And, you know, you know, when he came to me, he was, he's a very, and I'm not going to say he's a weak-minded athlete because he's not, but he's not that elite and that unbreakable mindset. You know, he's letting this beat him down a little bit. And he texted me the other day, and he was like, I, you know, I'm letting this get to me really bad. I don't know what it is. You know, I, I can't believe this is happening. I was like, look, dude, I was like, life happens. You're going to have setbacks. It's not about what happens to the step back. It's about how you come back from those. You can take one step back. Now it's time to take two to three steps forward and make it happen and come back better and stronger. You're only going to learn from that, you know, and it, it comes from, you know, Mike said the best. Mike, you said it was, uh, you said that you had kids that we've kind of, or was it Robert that talked about parents kind of driven that fixed mindset and that growth mindset. It does start from our, it starts at that young age and learning how to push them. And yeah. let their kids be okay with failing. 
so many parents nowadays don't want their kids to fail because they don't want to fail it, or their parents haven't failed. They've been handed everything, right? Yeah, that was Don, but I, I will say that, talking. yeah, no worries. But I, I think, too, that we can talk about this same type of mindset, and even though we're talking about how to, say, become an athlete or how to become go into soft and the soft mindset and such, when you're talking about the military transition and out to the civilian life, it applies there and having the right type of attitude approach, realizing that there's not going to be success when you walk out the door. We all know that from having separated that you're definitely not going to walk into a successful environment. You're going to have to stumble a few times. You're going to have to learn your way and you're probably going to have failures and learn from it. And George, you and I talked about this and how much in transition you've been giving mentoring about this very same topic. Yeah. You know, that's, that's something that's huge. You know, like I said, I, I was very blessed. Like I said, I had multiple plans. And, and that's something I tell everyone that's either planning on getting out. Don't have a, just one plan. Have multiple plans. You know, I actually fell back onto plan C for where I'm at for me. And, you know, the way I kind of categorized that was plan A is something that you kind of that you need to do to keep to sustain yourself and, you know, to kind of make sure that transition happens. Plan B is pretty much something that, you, you know, you kind of want to do, but you don't, you don't want to, but it's kind of okay for you to do. And then plan C is that passion, that, that what you really want to do. Because what's going to happen is that plan A is going to start, and you're going to try and get through it, and you're going to realize, all right, this is not for me. And then you're going to go ahead and go straight to plan B. You're going to realize this is not for me. And then when you get to plan C where it's your passion, you know that's what you want, you've already gone through the other plans and know what it's like to know that you must push harder to go ahead and finish and continue transitioning into that plan C and to fulfill it to the best of your ability and continue going. Jeez, we could apply this right back to playing football again, Mike, in your situation as far <laughs> as coaching. You know, I mean, it, it really is one of those things that goes across all paths and whatever it is that you're planning on doing or whatever you want to be and what your passion is. How much emphasis and how much value are you going to place on that to try to achieve and how much are you willing to give up along the way? So the word we haven't used that is a sacrifice. How, how much are you willing to sacrifice to get to where you need to be? Yeah, no, we've talked about that a lot, you and I. I, I mean, a, a lot of it uh, with, with my own transition and with what we've talked to so, some other service members about getting out of the military is, is a lot of them seem to want that quick fix. They want to get rich quick. They want to, they want to land a job, that, and they don't want to work to get it. Everything we've done. From the time we entered the military or from the time you began, you know, your coaching program, George, it's it's work. You know, you, you, yeah. you sacrifice like the word you just used, man. You sacrifice, you develop a plan, you have discipline, you follow your plan. And it's you. I'll go back to what you said earlier. You've got a long term approach. So you're not going to walk out of the military and land a job. Maybe you will. Maybe you'll get lucky. I don't know. It goes back to that entitlement. I can remember as a private. You know, as a private, you have a car, you park far away in the parking lot in the base, you know, and don't park on the grass because the sergeant major will get you. But you get there early, so you get that parking spot away. And you think, man, I can't wait till I'm the platoon sergeant so I get a parking spot. Well, now, today, these guys today are like, well, why does he get one and I don't get one? So what are you putting in to get something out of? What's you put in to get it? have to. Now, I was listening to what you guys, I was actually in a, I was thinking right now about that, about how the entitlement is. You know, I... I see that every day. I feel like that's something that nowadays that's all kids think it is an entitlement. And, you know, these guys, you know, I want to become Navy SEAL. I want to become a, a, a recon. I want to be MARSOC. I want to be soft. I want to be a ranger. And they think they're entitled to just go straight into the soft community and, and get something. When it's realistically, it's like you have a lot of growing up, doing a lot of work ahead of you, buddy, to think that you're entitled to anything. Um, even to this day, I, I feel like some of the best guys out there, some of the best coaches, 
don't ever think they're entitled to anything. You see the coaches that fail because they think they're entitled to something, and you see the greatest coaches that move up in the world because they're not entitled. They believe that they must work at all times, and and that's huge, right? And you got to earn it every day. You got to earn it. I mean, you got to fight for it every moment. It's not like every, once you become every day. Yeah, when you go into soft, you've got to keep that same standard all the time. Right. Hold the standard. And, and, you could, and, you, and in anything, you're continuing to learn. You either yes. you either continue your learning or you're falling behind. Yeah. And the, those coaches that are successful is because they adapt and they change with the current times. Those are success. I love that. That is huge. That's, that's something that's huge right now. You know, I see a lot of, you know, like I said, I have my coaches here in my gym and, you know, I've been pushing on them. Hey guys, what are you guys reading? What are you guys learning right now? What are you guys doing? And, you know, just to continue making them learn because they don't come from the military side of things. And, you know, with me coming from, you know, the recon side of things and being an instructor, you know, and having to put over 5,000 students through BRC and we're finding out what's the best way to keep them healthy so they can get through, you know, pre-recon court, the pre-BRC, and then go into BRC and be able to be successful and then go and continue operating. You know, obviously running, rucking, and swimming was what we need to do, but how do we build that foundation and keep them going? At the end of the day, it comes down to where it comes down to me, right? It comes down to me as the instructor and the other instructors to be like, all right, we need to go ahead and continue growing so we can produce the best operator at the end of the day. I agree. Let's recap a little bit. We talked a lot about what we were doing up front. But what I think the majority of what we focused on and what it is to be elite, it doesn't matter if you're talking about being elite in soft, it doesn't matter if you're talking about being elite athlete or whether you're being elite in the business world or in life. And I'll just, you correct me and, and jump in, George, if I miss something. But I think, first of all, it's a mindset, right, that you're unbeatable. From my perspective, that you execute all the basics with precision and, and you do it repetitively because our success equals repetitiveness. And to, to coin a term that you used, I think that we all need to apply this long-term approach to success so that we understand that there's no quick route there. We've got we've to set our goals. We've got to move forward to those goals every day, and we have to do it with discipline. And then finally, discipline. never quit. When you hit an adverse a reaction to something, when one, one point of adversity, you've got to display resilience, and you've got to keep moving forward. Yeah, and embrace, and embrace it. Embrace it and learn from it and keep moving forward. Like I said, I mean, Mike, that was pretty much uh, all we talked about. I mean, I can't even add to that. You, you hit it all on the spot. You had it in, you know, the long-term approach to success is going to be key. You know, again, like I said, a lot of, a lot of people nowadays think it's the short-term goals that's going to get them success, and, and they end up failing, and what's end up, their mindset ends up going down the drain. And again, like I said, unfortunately, not everyone has people like us to help mentor them or help bring them back up. So for those people who don't have that, you know, go find someone to help you with that or reach out to us or be okay with understanding that it's a long-term approach. It's going to take time and be okay with time. You know, one thing I used to tell my students all the time, you can't stop time, can we? <laughs> you know, you can't stop I used time. to tell people it's only time, right? It doesn't matter yeah. how bad it sucks. It's only time and time's going to yep. get better. Yep. Yeah. Marcus Aurelius has stop. a quote, you know, um, life is a sort of river of passing events and this too shall pass. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, dude, that's, that's spot on to that, to that summary of what it, mean, it means to be elite. And I'm pretty sure we can add a hundred things to it, but that is, that is hitting the head for sure. Been a great podcast, man. Actually, I think we could probably really enjoyed this. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I did too. If you're game for it, George, I'd love to do it again, brother. Yep. All about it, man. I love coming on. And just, that's one thing I got asked today was I got asked by somebody like you've been doing a little bit more. Like this is my this is I'm not like my second podcast. 
I got to do one with Tactical Athlete Radio a while back. And they're like, oh, you're starting to do more podcasts. And I was like, you know what? I'm enjoying a lot of it. It's, it, I'm not very good at writing my ideas out and my thoughts out. Just someone, I'm not, I'm not very good at typing those out. But I am very good at speaking them out, you know, just talking to people. And this is one way I'm able to do that. So I really do enjoy and I love doing this for sure. So let's make it happen again. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. It doesn't matter whether you are searching for your passion or purpose, finding your way through a military or civilian career, working on your fitness, or just about to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Get after it.